0: This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from Go Abundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for Go Abundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. We're here live in Miami at the Global GoBundance Conference, and I've got an OG GoBundance member next to me here. Daniel Del Real is an investor, a realtor, uh, I don't know, a speaker. He's doing a whole bunch of stuff now, so it's <laughs> going to be real great to dive in deep with him and get to, get to know what he's up to. Daniel. Always good to see you.
1: Oh. Always, man. It's always good connecting with you, man. You always got the you always got all the hype around you, man. So I love it. <laughs> hype man over here. I need like the following. I need like the uh like the guy following me with a camera. You need a documentary crew. I do. Like Ryan Surhan came in Full. with a doc crew. I'm like, where the fuck is Jamie's right. documentary crew? Right. Like, He's only got two sc- guys though. It's kinda of, kinda of low ball. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I need like four,
0: need five, a, all angles.
1: You, you just ten it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> just- just have like 50 dudes walking yeah, around. Right.
0: Always with an entourage. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. For those who don't know you, maybe some folks that aren't members of GoBundance or that are, that haven't met you yet, just give us a backstory. Where are you from? Give us the whole, the whole spiel. All right.
1: Uh, I'm from Modesto, California, California, uh, born and raised, a first generation uh, American. My parents came from Mexico. Uh, so um, um, I just turned 40. I have three kids, married with a wife. I uh, met my wife while I was in the Air Force. I did four years serving the country. I um, shortly after that started my real estate career, and uh, I operate. Uh, I would say it's it's the fifth largest and highest producing team in California, which is which has is, been a, just an amazing journey of lessons um, along the way. You know, I've I've uh, found my tribe of millionaires in like abundance back in 2014, 2015, and uh, and uh, through that I've been able to continue to buy and level up my assets i bought my first property when i was 22 and i've just haven't really stopped from them uh from there and you know a few years ago we launched the 728 show with abundance which has been an amazing journey so in a way yes I'm, i'm learning to find my voice and that's something that uh that I've always ran away from, but, uh, you know, thanks to, you know, Tim and a couple of guys that didn't let me run away from being the host of the show, he's like, no, you're doing this fucking show. Um, I've, uh, <laughs> I'm learning to find that voice, but, uh, so I'm, in a nutshell, I, I, I have investments in, in all sorts of real estate and businesses, and, uh, and I've been in the real estate uh, real estate industry
0: for the, almost 20 years. I love it. There's so many things, places to go, and there's things that you said and things that you're making me think of that I know about you that I want to go into, but I want to go back to being a uh, first-generation American. Parents are from Mexico, correct? Yes. How did that inform you? Because, I mean, 22 is a really young age to be thinking in terms yeah. of investment and everything. Like, Is that from that upbringing, folks, mm-hmm. folks that came from, I'm assuming, not much mm-hmm. into this country? How did that inform you? Yeah, man. I love that question.
1: Uh, it, it was life, you know, Ed Milette says it the best, you know, life happens uh, for you, not to you, right? And I think me being an immigrant and my parents bringing us over, they taught us a lot of lessons. Um, first thing my dad would always say is, look, when you see these streets, Daniel, you don't see pavement. You see opportunity and gold, right? So he always had that mindset because when my father came to the States, he came with nothing. He was 17 years old. My mom was, you know, a teenager as well. Uh, they they had one family member or a couple family members here and, and that's it. And, and so... Those lessons that I, you know, that gift that my dad gave me or that life gave me as an immigrant, like really opened my eyes to opportunity. And I saw, I got a first row seat of how that's done in an immigrant, in an immigrant family. So my dad never made more than $47,000 a year, right? But I saw him serve. I saw him uh, do side jobs. I saw him mow the neighbor's yards and, and be humble. Like he moved us into a nice neighborhood, but he he's like he had a mission and he had a why and he was buying, he was buying a property every other or every three years, you know, and there were small houses. And my dad was able, I was able to see my dad retire with 10 properties that were fully paid off. And now he makes two to three times what he ever made in W2, but he was able to build that life, raising five kids at $47,000 a year, because he didn't, he checked his ego out the door and he saw opportunities. So he, I remember mowing yards. I, rem, I remember going with my mom and cleaning carpets, cleaning homes. And uh, anytime they, they, they made enough money, they would buy another asset. We wouldn't buy things. My parents were very disconnected. And, and maybe in a way, it was a scarcity mindset for my father, which, which is, I think, what ended up holding him back, you know, because he, like, if you ask, okay, where's my dad now? Like, he's retired. He doesn't want to buy any more property. He paid off all his properties, which is great. But, you know, he gave me the stage to continue that legacy and my family, my brother's stage to continue that legacy. And I got the front row seat to that. So one of the coolest lessons that my dad taught me and and keep in mind, my my dad didn't have more than a grade school education, right? I mean, I, I think my dad went to school to second, third grade. And my wow. mom, same thing. Yeah. They had lessons of life on the on the streets as immigrants, right? Like life lessons, which you know, I think now I'm I'm trying to also instill with my kids. That's why I homeschool them. Mm. Um, but I remember my dad. We were teenagers. My dad never worked in the fields, right? He he always had a job, a decent job, and and. Um, but he's like, "Hey guys, we're gonna go work out in the fields." And I remember he took us out to pick cherries, mm-hmm. and it was five five dollars a bucket is what we'd get, you know. And and we spent you know all day picking cherries, and I remember making like $15, 20 bucks. And they gave the money to my dad. My dad turned around and gave the money to me, and he says, "Hey bud, if you don't want to work this hard, you gotta you gotta go out and work smart, you know." And and then he did it again the next week. But we ended up picking peaches, mm. which I don't know if you ever picked peaches, but no. that it, they get, they, there's, it's a very itchy and they get all over your skin. Oh, it I was see that one yep. of the worst, worst days. But the one thing that I found not reflecting, of course, you don't understand it when you're going through it. But now as a 40 year old, I'm looking at the lessons I'm teaching my kids and my dad created purposeful trauma in my life that day. Right. He's like, look, I didn't have to pick uh, cherries, I don't have to pick, uh, peaches, my dad, he could have just hung out. He worked his ass off and just enjoyed a Saturday and Sunday and just enjoyed us playing. But he's like, I'm going to create purposeful trauma for my kids that's going to serve them in the future. So that's that was that was the blessing of my childhood. We didn't have everything that we wanted, uh, but we had we had what we needed, and I was able to see my dad delay his gratification for future rewards on investments. And I had a dad, even though he wasn't in, he wasn't academically taught, um, he was so brilliant to teach us purposeful lessons and create those those traumas and, and that's something that i do with my kids today so my son uh i go out and do yards with my kids right yeah. which if i look at the exchange of time for money like my my hourly wage is what like 1500 bucks an sure. hour 2000 bucks an hour like i'm out there for six hours more in yards trust me it's not worth the exchange of my time mm-hmm. but the, the the return on the lessons I'm teaching my son to be a good steward yeah. and have the connection of the work of money and the stewardship of going out and doing our apartments. So he's like, okay, well, when you get here, you make sure that wherever you go, you leave the place better than when you left. Yeah. And, and and it goes back to like the little key phrases that I think he'll remember were like, hey, bud, if you want to have appreciating assets, you need to go and appreciate your assets. Mm. And yet at the same time, he gets and. and I don't recommend for people to do this, and it's something that I I don't even want to do. But I but I have a very close connection to those tenants now because I'm out there doing the yards with my boys, right? And and they go out and they give my kids water, and and that's probably a property that's not going to perform that well because I'm not going to want to increase rents as sure, much. Sure. <laughs> but but here's the lesson again with my son is is my I tell my son look, bud, you know you know um, you know Kathy in apartment seven, mm-hmm. right? She goes to work and a third of her paycheck comes to pay us for this property. And this is why we have to take care of it. We need to make sure she has a good place that wow. she feels proud to come home because a third of her life is to pay us. Yeah. right? So those are like, it's a different form of purposeful lessons. But yeah, if I would say, you know what, I'm just going to hire a gardening crew that charges me $750 a, a, a month to go do those, those yards. Um, I would be able to enjoy my Saturday hangout poolside with my son, Mm -hmm. but I would miss a lesson, Mm -hmm. right? And so part of the responsibility that we have, just like my dad has, is uh, my dad set me up at a certain level. And I'm hopefully going to set up my kid in a much larger level. And the one thing I want to make sure is that my my son and my daughter, my sons and daughter, that they have um, the values within them and a strong enough back to um, carry the burden that our wealth is gonna build. And and so that for me needs to have a connection to people, humility, right? They have to have a disconnect and a connection of money and, and what it costs for somebody to go out there and exchange your time for money. Sure. And, 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 and they're paying us for that, right? They're paying us to live in our assets, but yet like, hey, do you think my son will have more respect for the gardener when he's out there, right? Sure. Absolutely, yeah. right? It's a servitude. And uh, so, if I could teach my kids the same lessons my dad taught me, long answer to the question. Great but, answer. Um, yeah, life happens uh, happened uh, t- for me, right? And that immigrant, uh, that decision my dad made to come over here, and uh, and me being a first generation American is a testament to exactly, uh, I mean, exactly why I've been able to build what I built today, and why I'm sitting in this chair across from me right yeah, now. Yeah,
0: hundred percent, man. I, I love that story, and I love all that you do. That I love. The, I've never. I don't think I've ever heard you say purposeful trauma. If I have, I. It just didn't hit me when we spoke yeah. before. Do you want me to create some for you right now? I love that. <laughs> if you want me to, geez, I just got threatened by the guy. <laughs> Jeez, you all see it on camera um, Man, now you made me lose my question. No, so purposeful trauma. Purposeful I love trauma. that. I love Traum. that concept. Um, your dad, you mentioned, may have had, because like, I think about you now, just knowing your life, you you live well below your means, mm-hmm. meaning you invest a lot of your capital. But at the same time, you you have fun. You travel. You do yeah. some things. You you know You spend some money on some of the luxuries of life. You give your kids the experiences, your wife the experiences. You mentioned your dad, $47,000 a year, maybe had a scarcity mindset around certain things. Do you consider yourself to have a scarcity mindset, an abundance mindset? Is there a blend? Did you flip at some point? Kind of walk me through that a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a generational, uh, something you, you inherit through generations. And, you know, in the biblical state, it's a generational curse in a way that comes with you. So I've, I've battled with scarcity and I I think in a way um, it's helped me build what I've built now, but, you know, I'm going into my forties and I'm slaying that dragon, you know, I I need to, I'm living life more in abundance, right? Um, Because it is, I feel that it's also holding me back a bit, you know? Um, But, um, so yes, I I do think that it kind of came to me a bit and, but I'm very, very aware of it and, and I'm doing everything possible to surround myself with people like aaron that, that you know yeah. call me out of my shit and say hey bro you know there's there's times that aaron like i remember and I, I was i was um i go through these exercises of delayed gratification and i i bought a, a model s tesla like four or five years ago and um but i told myself i would not buy that vehicle until i deployed this half a million that i had right mm-hmm. and i'm like i need to go deploy that and it took me longer than I expected to deploy. It was like four or five months, mm. and I was I was like I'm not going to drive another. Uh, an, I'm not going to buy a car. Well, the thing is, I sold my car before buying the Tesla, thinking I was going to be able to deploy this capital <laughs> a lot faster. So here I am driving uh, one of my sales guys' uh, borrowed car in a like 2009 Toyota Tacoma truck that something. Let me borrow. Yeah. And then finally, Aaron's like, "What the fuck are you doing, right, bro? Like." Right. Go out there and buy your fucking car. You could have the money; just go do it. So, like, but for me, you know, I have uh, some sometimes that that scarcity of, of of holding holding on to certain things. Um, it, you know, it's also served me very well, mm-hmm. right? Um, because, like I said, you know, I lived on a budget for a long time, and so, you know, when 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 my wife and I put ourselves on a budget, we were at about one hundred and ten thousand a year, which was about sixty seven hundred net a month. And I did that because I wanted to make sure that, or um, we didn't get lifestyle creep, right? Um, but then it it created like four or five, six years of we're making really good money, but our lifestyle lifestyle wasn't really changing, right? We were investing seventy percent of our seventy percent of our whole of income. We're paying our taxes. We're doing all that stuff. Um, so so yes, even me now, like some of the lessons and some of the things that I do, in a way, it, 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 I have to constantly keep you know, slaying the dragon and, and elevating my future self to say, okay, thank you for bringing me here. Thank you for serving me this far. I now need to, you know, come to peace with you, put you to rest. And now I need to go search that future self, right? Mm-hmm. So even, even the, you know, with the budget and everything that we've done, like, yes, I live an abundant life now, but the principles in a way are still the same, mm-hmm. right? So, so hear me out with this is, is yet yeah, before I used to invest 70% of my income, right? Which now i'm investing 80% of my income like yeah my lifestyle went from 110,000 a year the last year i think we blew about 400 grand right mm-hmm. and 100,000 of that was just on vacations <laughs> you know we also gave almost 200 grand right so it, it, the but so yeah. the principle hasn't changed though the income has grown. So whenever you, and that's one thing that I didn't have the connection to, I didn't expand my world as my income increased, keeping those principles the same. Yeah, I kept those the same and that was my scarcity, right? And now I I, I tell myself, well, okay, if I get to spend 15% of my income, then regardless of what that income is, my I, I give myself permission to do that, not feeling guilty about it. And before I had that guilt, gotcha. right? So, you know, I'm still, you know, right now with a $400,000 life expense with travel and everything like that. Uh, some people say, well, shit, that's a lot of money. But for me, it's still the same principles that I had back, back when I first started, you know, putting myself on a budget and really locking in my lifestyle, you know, but I've allowed myself to expand.
0: No, that makes sense. The, um, when you say expand yourself you said this year you made more money is that mm-hmm. because some of the investments you've made have come due have you expanded uh, into other types of leverage whether it's human leverage like is there is there a change a mark change in what your your the structure around you looks like or are you just starting to see the benefits of delayed gratification and yeah. so your income is going up i'm kind of I, at the heart of it i'm wondering like what does it look like around you? Like, yeah. what do you what do you do at that level? Yeah. Versus, what are you hiring out? Do you have that in place? Do you not do not enough of that? Are you doing things you shouldn't be doing? Not not mm-hmm. the 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 uh uh what did you call it um purposeful trauma mm-hmm. like not that I get why mm-hmm. you're doing that stuff but like are there are there lawns you're mowing if you will. That are still kind of in the scarcity mindset, or is that the stuff you put down, and you and you and you're really yeah. doing the things only that are that you should be doing in your business and your life, and so on? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I think I think now I'm 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 becoming more aware of um, what what are the dollar productive things that are for me, and not only that, but also the the ones that give me the biggest return on joy. Right? It's not yeah. always the highest return on investments and return on joy, return on mental capacity. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my the framing of my decisions are based on: Is it worth my uh, mental capacity. It, what kind of return on joy is this going to give me? Yeah. And, and and last would be the return on actual investment. But I think my world, the, the way my world has been able to expand is it, it, in order for me to talk about what's going on now, I really have to talk about all the consistencies of the last 20 years. So the decisions and yeah, my passive income has increased because, you know, I started with the unsexy game of buying single family homes where, sure. You know, I was I was uh, buying you know duplexes, triplexes, you know C D dogship properties, and I had an opportunity to uh, learn lessons there. But the consistency of constantly planting those seeds and buying property every single year built this beautiful portfolio. Where in 2017 I was able to level up those assets and get rid of some of the some of the properties that were C and D. And get into uh, a sexier class, right? So um, the consistency of the unsexy until the sexy came, and then uh, I st- now that, that's in a way is the, the way I'm feeling right now. It's like a lot of the assets that I'm buying are more sexy. They're funner. They're better that to talk sense. about. Sure. But it started with the hard work of the unsexy and the small base hits and the the the, the, the small ball stuff um same thing even with uh the relationships that I have or even some of the passive investments that I had you know I started investing in passive deals even in LP deals um because number one and maybe it wasn't the best return on my investment at the time uh but it was the best return on my mental capacity cuz I wanted to focus on building my business and my team and that served me the best so I let somebody else operate and handle that money mm but at the same time it gave me a massive return on what i would say um personal relationships right so the roi on the access to people was amazing mm-hmm. right and then because i've had consistency in that investment strategy where i've been putting money in lps every single year where like the first year i think it was 100 grand with Cushman back and i think we bought lynn haven in 2014 and, uh, and then last year, I deployed a million dollars in passive investments. And year to date, I've already put a half a million bucks. So wow. like every year, the one thing that's certain is it's consistent. I'm consistently planting seeds in that. So what that consistency has allowed me to do, ev- just like it did in my single family game, where it's unsexy, yeah. like these these uh, two-bedroom properties or these duplexes were unsexy. Um, it became sexy. Same thing with the LPs. Not as sexy, yeah. right? 100 Hundred thousand dollar deals to to now like I I think I invested in a, in a tech tech one with Lotus and Christian Mac yeah, and sure. yeah uh, you know we did half a million in that one um, so. It becomes sexy because what's happened because of that consistency, I've had capital events throughout the whole way now. So a lot of the investments that I put in 2014, 15, 16, I've started having capital events in 2019, 20, 21. Mm-hmm. And even talking to my CPA, he's like, Daniel, like, you're going to have capital events f- until you stop investing in these LPs yeah. because even the million that you put in last year, that's going to come back to you in five to seven years, at right. maybe two, three million, whatever it might yeah. be. so. To answer your question, uh, it comes down to, you know, uh, having the consistency and the discipline of dealing with a small ball and the unsexy until it becomes sexy.
0: You know what's interesting? Maybe this is uh, – I'll ask advice. So I'm in this space. You know my story. You know, uh, a two guy started investing in real estate actively, doing some other things, emerging different businesses that I'm building, if you will. Leave the W two and um, and I've I've enjoyed it. <laughs> I've had fun not being at the W two. Been a rocket ship, man. It, well, thank you. But yeah. but for this, at the same time, in this time that I've been out. I've been dealing with this lately. Like I've got this active investment uh, strategy that I have. I've got passive investments, which I really never focused on before. And actually when you did uh, horizontal income hacks, which I hosted, which was great. So I learned yeah. like listening, when you talked about the consistency of LP positions and the, and the capital events that occur, but more importantly, more than anything, you said it again just now is the return on mental capacity. Mm-hmm. What I'm finding for me, and I, I I'm, I'm going to use me as a proxy for anybody that's out there. That's whatever, wherever your net worth is, uh, wherever you are in your vertical, if you, so I enjoy, I enjoy what I do vertically now, right? I really do. I enjoy the, 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 the businesses that I'm running. And I think that's your story. You still work 40, 50 hours a week because mm-hmm. you love mm-hmm. your team. You love your vertical. Mm-hmm. And I know you're a proponent of um, leveraging the vertical to create the horizontal, right? So mm-hmm. leveraging the vertical income, you know, build that up and then pour that into horizontal yeah. uh, investments. So if you're somebody like me who's saying, well, and I, I'm in a job, let's say some people, I don't, I don't like my job or I, I do like my job, but I want to focus on active real estate investment. You did that. But would you say, look, if you can make a lot of money vertically, go all in on that. Don't buy the single family houses. Go full LP. Because that's where my mind is going right now. Should I just be going fully passive and focus on this vertical Mm -hmm. and this build that I'm in Mm -hmm. and not do the active investments like you did, like I did to start? Mm -hmm. If you were to go back to 22-year-old Daniel, would you say, man, go all in on making money and dump it into passive, and then later you can become a general partner or an active investor? Does that question make sense? It
1: does make sense to me. Yeah, so it's a great question so you know with with um, in regards to um, being distracted right and I yeah. think that's usually what, what it is is um, you know if if you're in a position where like I, I'm, I was really fortunate to be in sales right so like I can there's no income limit for me yeah it's like look if I, the better I got, the more mastery I, I got. Like as I build my business, again, it goes back to my superpowers just being super consistent, right? Yeah, yeah. Showed up. Consistency creates mastery, whether it's in LP positions or regular real estate or even in building a business. Um, and so you're seeking that mastery. And so for me, I was at a state where I was. Um, diving in to build that wealth like you're in the same position like you could your your income has no limit really yeah, no I mean, it doesn't with investments right. it's and gone everything. up actually in this, right. in, yeah it's incredible so, <laughs> and so if you have that if you're in a position where you have that ability you 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 might be better suited and you have an opportunity to dive in I had a conversation with Diego yesterday at the ball game. Um, he has an ability to uh, hyper-focus in that business and create that mastery in what he's building that his income could go from a million to two to three to four, right? So would it be better for him to create that mastery to get his, 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 um, his income up another million bucks? Or would it be to take that 250000 that he has and buy a 12-unit apartment building and spend 30 hours a week trying to manage that shit, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. For what, right? So we talk about return on investment, return on mental capacity, and then you also have to look at um, what your income potential is as well, right? It's like, look, if I hyper-focused and really just quieted all the noise around me and just focused on building this revenue stream, that will be a catalyst For you to start padding your balance sheet. And so, and of course, I don't recommend that, you know, if you start investing in LPs, you're giving somebody else the stewardship of that money. You need to diversify that risk. So that's course, a completely right. different conversation. One, right. yeah. But then at the same time, you also have to understand that eventually you're going to have to build your own balance sheet. Yeah. And um, But y- y- you got to look at the timing, what's best for you, because building your own balance sheet is also going to teach you the lessons that you need to learn by buying those single families, duplexes and triplexes, right? So don't use the LP position as your way to outsource that courage that you earn when you buy a property where you end up you know, going through those four C's. If I look at commit, I, you earn courage, you find out what you're capable of by mm-hmm. buying and owning, and then you go to capacity, say, how many of these can I buy? So those four C's are, are huge and as an LP, propon- somebody that invests in an LP, you're outsourcing the second C, which is courage, but if you outsource the courage, your return on mental capacity will be great and all this other jazz, but you're never going to learn what your capability is yeah. or what your capacity is. And that's okay because you're going to table those four C's to focus on the four C's of generating massive wealth in the brand that you're building of yourself and your intellectual property and maybe your relationship capital and all the stuff that you're doing right now. Yeah. So you're going through those four C's here, you're tabling those there, but you have to in the back of your mind, you have to know that eventually you're going to have to earn that courage and face that fear and buy and take your own properties down, and learn your own lessons.
0: Yeah.
1: And then, um, And then level up your own No, that
0: makes sense, man. You know the hardest part of all of that is? Is being in my 40s now and just figuring the shit out. Yeah. You know what I mean? As You're 22 and you're starting to get that. It's hard to kind of look backward, if you will, um, and look at guys like, I mean, you're three years younger than I am at this point. You just hit 40 and you Mm -hmm. built this incredible, uh, I think of Wally, Elibieri, or David for that matter. You guys are crushing it. So at 43, the insecurity that I come up with, and I'm sure many people, if you're 30, you see a 25-year-old. If you're 35, you see a 30-year-old, right? Is that like, man, I'm just figuring this out. I got, I got to catch up or whatever. And that's the biggest thing. For you, what is that? Do you have any... Is there something that you're insecure with as you as you look around? Or is there a comparison or anything like that that you struggle with?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I try not to compare myself, but it's it's difficult when you're in a room with a <laughs> bunch of freaking achievers, right? Crazy, yeah. And one of the things that we found, like doing the 7 2 shows, is we're interviewing and getting everybody else's journeys from their path, from seven figures, you know, the million dollar network, to being a decamillionaire, yeah. is... Um, is I find that there's, and the way I would frame the, the question would be not comparison, but my feedback loop has changed. Right, so the way that that I would say is initially, um, my feedback loop was down. Everybody in my world was not doing as much as I was. So the people that were reporting to me were my property managers, my repair guys, my flip ma- property, the asset managers, my team, my sales team, my admin team. And my feedback loop was this way. You know, being in abundance, like my feedback loop goes up. Like yeah. um, the guys that, that I'm getting feedback from now are not worth, uh, you know, 150 million, 200 million, 80 million, 50 million, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I would say it's not much comparison, but I would I would say it would be more is my feedback loop is different. And that's what drives me, not the comparative sense out of it because they push you to say you could be doing more, yeah. right? Or yeah. they, they, they change the frame in which you're looking at that person you know being worth 50 60 70 hundred million bucks where it makes it possible for you to be there and I think that's the thing that um, that that drives me right they, they say I think Confucius said it the best he says um, it, less suffering means less desire right if you want to suffer less you desire less Mm -hmm. um so the desire like having a certain desire is a contract you make with yourself to suffer until you achieve that so i tend to try to do a lot of work on my mind and in my heart to say let's desire less right you want more Mm -hmm. right i want more but i want to desire less now whether I'm, I'm still going to find it within me and my feedback loop and my accountability, guys, to continue to push to be better. Mm-hmm. But like, they, like Ben Hardy says, you know, I'm going to try to live my life as much as I can in the gain and not the gap of comparison.
0: Oh man, God, here yeah, we got to get the speaking career launched, of yours. <laughs> Holy crap, man, you're, you're dialed in. We only got a few minutes. I want to ask you about uh, seven to eight, yes. um, and specifically, uh, you had the opportunity to of proximity and learning from somebody. You had the opportunity on Necker Island yeah. to interview the owner of Necker Island, Richard Branson, Mr. live. Sir Richard Branson. Unbelievable. Man, blows my mind. Walk me through that. Walk me through that. Did you have a moment? To, first of all, did you have a moment to sit there and go like, I'm here with Richard Branson? Did you take that in for a second? Uh, man, like
1: I was watching this guy fly in the fucking space and I'm sitting <laughs> here like riding a bike with the guy. Like yeah. I didn't know whether Richard's going to be there all day or not. And the dude just hung out all freaking day. day. Like, I mean, he took us on a bike ride and I'm like, oh, it's an easy bike ride. Okay. Ten miles. I'm like. 2,800 feet of climbing, bro. Like this guy's 70 something years old. So riding the bike with them, coming back on the golf golf cart with them, just kind of hanging out, having dinner with them. Some of the conversations just blew my mind. Mm It was yeah, it was it was surreal for me to be hanging out with Sir Richard Branson and uh, some of the conversations we have had, and even the interview was was pretty epic. What'd
0: you take away? It was like uh, it, whether it's not even something he said or did or observed, or like you mentioned twenty eight hundred miles or where twenty eight hundred feet, I should say 2,800 miles would be impressive. Twenty eight hundred feet, whatever it is, like what, did anything when you came back and your wife said so? What was yeah. like two, three things uh, that you got from Branson? So one thing I got from Branson is
1: um, there's a couple of things. Number one, just talk about the, the his health, freaking amazing, yeah. right? So the guy's out there running on the island in the morning. He's he's out there hanging out. You know, we went kite surfing, and the dude is like a beast on it. kicked our ass on the bike. Like he is massively fit, and he's seventy something years old, yeah. right? So it goes back to the three things that you have to earn. You money can't buy. He's worth four or five billion dollars. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, he can't buy health. He has to earn health, right? He also can't buy a a calm mind. He has to earn that. He can't buy a house full of love. You have to earn those things, right? It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. And he's out there earning it every fucking day. And I got to see that. So that's number one. Number two is I saw that um, he, some of the lessons that I've learned on some of the losses is I bet on the wrong operator. Mm -hmm. And he is an operator that I would bet on every day because he lived life on that, uh, he lived and his business was always on that knife's edge. Mm. And he was willing to put his life on the line for his business and his ventures and his partners, which is freaking absolutely amazing. And that was because his mission was always bigger than what the business was initially. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is the fact that, you know, Richard, uh, Sir Richard, um, he started giving from the moment that he launched Student Magazine. Mm. Right? Contribution and purpose was always big for him. And because he started in that state, um, it was just a gravitational pull. People wanted to be involved with student magazine. Then because of that, he got a good name and ended up being Virgin records. Right. And now he pulled big bands and, and then, and then Virgin airlines and everything else that he touched. But sometimes we wait to start giving until later later, or figuring out what the purpose that we want to, why are we building this wealth? He found it right away,
0: which was badass. And that was, I would say, the biggest that's takeaway. It's funny. Aaron West just did something for Emerge and Ascend. He did, like, one-sheet reviews. And I can i now know, I mean, I know the message is always in, but he was so passionate about that point. So mm-hmm. that must have been a key takeaway for the two of you with yes. Richard. Yeah. Contribution starts now, not yeah, later. Right away. Unbelievable. Yeah. We're out of time, but where could people learn more about you, find you, websites, social media handles, whatever it might be. <laughs> it's, uh, social media. Uh, you can just, uh,
1: on Instagram, I guess that's what everybody uses I these do. days. yeah. So. I love Instagram. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Instagram, Daniel Del real Or yep. you could. Google my name. I'm a. I have a real estate team in California, so I'm not a secret agent. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, or, or you know, or get plugged in to abundance. Get plugged into the Tribe of Millionaire yeah. um, environment. If you're part of Ascend, um, you have access to to us. So you know you don't get what you don't ask for. So if if somebody says something that resonates with you. Um, Send a message out, man, and then just you know, you'll see that these Go Abundance guys—we're um, all about bringing others up with us. Yeah. Um, so, if you're part of you know that uh, that environment, uh, you have access. So, don't be afraid to reach out to to somebody. Love it, man.
0: Thanks again for doing this. I appreciate, appreciate you, man. It. Yeah, totally. it Thank you. That's it for this episode, but be sure you subscribe for future episodes. Give us a rating and review as well. It just helps us grow the podcast, grow the reach and give as much value as we can to you on a week to week basis. Be sure to go over and check out GoAbundance.com while you're at it. Check out Emerge if you're a future millionaire, our elite division, if you're in that one to $5 million range or our champion division at 5 million plus or on the women's side, GoAbundance Women is available for all of you to join an amazing group of millionaire entrepreneurial women. And if you haven't already, jump on tribeofmillionaires.com and order the book that is the namesake of this podcast and you'll learn all about what this whole Go abundance thing is, what masterminds are about, and the power of community, accountability, connection, and all of that as you pursue your goals. Thanks for listening again. We'll talk to you soon.